Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to. $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Review. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up Show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. J.C., what's going on, my man? So happy we were able to do this again. Thank you for being flexible, and uh, happy Victory Tuesday, my friend. What's going on? Hey, yeah, it's strange to be sitting here and doing a a same-day post-mortem on a game, right? Uh, <laughs> had a uh, We were going to do a show today uh, during the game, but uh, Phil, <clears throat> our producer, has 
my daughter got sick. So they had to go get her from school. So we had to bag it. But uh, JB and I had like running commentary over the text message and uh, very nice win today. You know, the Gamecocks went out and uh, got some hits, strung some hits together early, did what they had to do. And uh, that's the James Hicks. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was bragging about it at the beginning of the year that, that seemed to, you know, find the strike zone and, and, and be able to uh, pitch multiple shutout innings and all that good stuff. He was uh, really in command today uh, until the end. Um, went longer than I, I think I expected. And then, um, you know, Kate Austin came in and did a great job too. And he's not been all that great this year, uh, to be honest. You know, Cade needed that outing as well. First shutout in the history of uh, playing in Hoover, which uh, to me is kind of amazing considering, uh, Chris, the pitchers the game guys have had yeah. through the years and the size of that ballpark. I mean, that, that's a ballpark that's kind of – Set up for pitching, uh, and the Gamecocks. Uh, I think I think it was set up well for Hicks today. Georgia could really not get a whole lot going. Uh, Carolina played really good defense. I thought Braswell was really good at short today, um, and really just some timing hits. I mean, you know, timely hits. I mean, Will Tippett. Uh, you know, I, I think it's safe to say the future's bright with him because he keeps getting better and better at the plate after struggling earlier, and we know he can play some defense. So. Uh, big day for him going three for four and having a, a basis clearing double there uh, to kind of salt it away. So uh, always nice to beat Georgia if you're the Gamecocks in any sport, uh, beating them nine nothing and and sort of getting back on the positive side of possibly hosting uh, certainly is good. So it's on to LSU now, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and JC, you effectively end Georgia's season, and uh, that was the first win for the Yardcocks in Hoover since 2018. I mean, it's been it's been quite a while <laughs> since Carolina baseball has even had a cup of coffee in Hoover, much less any sort of stay. But that is that is the case again. I know you just gave basically your, your thoughts there. You know, I thought it was interesting. Will Tippett, you mentioned the bottom of the lineup. Get this, JC, the combination, the trio, the bottom third of your lineup. Will Tippett, Dylan Brewer, Evan Stone, six hits, five RBI in this ball game, and it's going to be a huge boost for Carolina moving forward. I talked about this a little bit earlier before you came on. That you know, I think you feel confident that guys like Cole Messina, Ethan Petrie, Gavin Cassis, Braylon Wimmer, like your your big bats, they're going to be there. But if you can start to get that type of production from the bottom of the lineup, I mean, we we've seen it, JC. All great championship teams, and if you're going to make a run this time of year, right, everybody just thinks about, like, 2010 and 11, about Jackie Bradley Jr. and Christian Walker. But you know whose names they don't hear? Kyle Linders, Brady Thomas. Like, guys at the bottom that you didn't talk about a lot, and when they got their opportunity, they shined. And I think for the Gamecocks, like, if you can start getting some, you know, start seeing some heroics from some unlikely names, unlikely faces – you know, maybe Carolina can get off the schneid, put some things together, make a run in Hoover, and carry that over into a uh, maybe a postseason run. Absolutely. And it's really, Chris, what, you know, during the successful part of this season, it's what made this team uh, pretty dangerous. It seemed like there was a guy that would step up every other night, a kind of an unsung hero, if you will, uh, throughout the course of that, that 34 and 6, 36 and 8, however you want to put it, start. Um, and then it just wasn't happening. Everybody kind of went cold at the same time. The pitching kind of went uh, in the tank. Uh, there were injuries. The Cole Messina injury behind catcher uh, – I'm sorry, behind the plate still was big, I think. Um, not that, that he was necessarily hurt, but you had to move him out to third because of Lee Croy being hurt and the infield being banged up. But he's back now. He's kind of the heart and soul, I think, of that pitching staff. 
even though he's a catcher, because I, I think he sets the tone and uh, he calls a really good game, Chris. I, I think uh, the pitchers have a, a, a very much a different approach when he's behind the plate. And I, I think we've seen that. I think the pitching has been okay. Um, and to, okay to really good, you know, since he returned uh, for the Arkansas series back there at catcher. But um you know, it's about winning right now, and, uh, you know, in, in the postseason, you, you can't just rely on half your lineup. You do have to have that whole lineup, and uh, certainly there's some capable guys down there you know, on that end of the of the lineup. It just hasn't always been there this year. Uh, like I said, I think Tippett just keeps getting better and better and better, uh, and then Brewer hopefully can continue to uh, come along. And, uh, you know, Evan Stone, I, I think you're going to get, you know, what you normally get out of him. Uh, but uh, him coming through in clutch situations is is important. You know, like today, kind of set the tone with the two RBI single uh, to break things open early. So, uh, you know, overall, uh, that's the kind of team that you hope to see in the postseason. And uh, certainly, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it's all about winning. Even if it had been one nothing today or 5-4 today, uh, you still celebrate it. And, uh, you know, that gets you one closer to 40. Uh, which I think is kind of a magic number to help this team feel sort of safe about getting back in the hosting conversation. And JC, I've talked a lot about, you know, over the last couple of weeks that this team, and it's an intangible, but just needed something good to happen, right? And you see it across all sports, right? That you, you just feel like the the baseball gods or the football gods or momentum is just against you. Like bad things are happening, right? Like to win championships, to be – you know, an elite, like you need some good breaks every now and then to find their way to you. And so that, you know, that goes beyond, oh, just hit a home run or get a strikeout. Like, let, let's see, like, it feels like things are working for us. Um, and I know that can be frustrating because, again, that's not really a tangible thing. But I thought, JC, you saw a glimpse of that today when Michael Braswell pokes the single to the left side and Dylan Brewer gets sent home. And I thought he was hosed, man. I mean, I thought he was hosed. Done. Somehow he gets in there and he's called safe. And at that moment, JC, I'm like, that feels like a break we have not gotten over the last four weeks. Like, we just have not gotten that break. I thought that was a huge moment in the game. And also, you mentioned Cade Austin. I tell you, I, I think his performance definitely needs to be recognized because that moment when he came in, two outs in that ball game, bases loaded – I mean, it's only 5 nothing, JC. A base knock there makes it 5-2, five, 5-3. Five, you get that sick feeling in your stomach. Oh, my God, here we go again. Where is Kate Austin mentally? Where is Georgia at in regards to momentum? Instead, he gets the strikeout. Some really, really big moments in that ball game today. Yeah, you mentioned that Brewer play. It was big. and it, I, You know, you hate <laughs> I, to say lucky. Hey, if, it was, but if it was flip side, I'd have been calling for the out. So, I mean, I, you I know, don't I, know uh, what the Georgia catcher was <laughs> doing, though, because, yeah. uh, you know, Brewer stuck his left leg. It's like, here, here, tag my left leg, please. And he didn't. And so the left leg goes, and then his right knee just kind of slides up, and you're like, well, tag him. If you look at the replay, it's like, tag him, tag him, tag him. And then it was almost a tie when he finally applied the tag to the body, and then right knee. I mean, I don't know if I'd have called him safe <laughs> at the moment. And I, I don't know that that would have gotten overturned had they called him out and how they had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. They uh, reviewed it, but it was close enough to where, you know, the call stood and that was something good. And you mentioned something good happened. Yeah, I think on the mound, Carolina's had some good things happening the last few weeks uh, during the weekend. But if you really think about like the two games they've won against Tennessee and Arkansas, they've really had one big inning in both those games. So you're talking about 18 innings, 16 innings of those. It was still same old struggles at the plate. What I like about today is they were able to get multiple big innings, you know, like out in Fayetteville, there was that there was a one, three run inning and they held on to win three, one thanks to Mahoney. And then Mahoney was locked in a pitcher's battle and the Gamecocks go in game one against Tennessee on, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, they put five on the board with six straight hits, and, and it was a seven-inning game, so the game was essentially over after that. But other than that, I said 16 out of 18. I probably should have said 14 out of 16 mm-hmm. since there was – or 14 out of – yeah, 14 out of six since there was a seven-inning game in there. But uh, other than that, you know, Carolina's been pretty quiet at the plate. And so hopefully stringing those various big innings together, hopefully having – you know, different guys come through at different points in the game. Hopefully the resiliency of, you know, bringing in a reliever with the bases loaded and you get the big K there, uh, that that gives these guys, you know, because a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is confidence. So confidence heading into a game against LSU tomorrow, and then, you know, you're guaranteed two more. So mm-hmm. lose, if you, even if you lose to LSU tomorrow, you got another one coming up. So uh, you, you basically got two shots now to get to 40 wins. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly it would be really nice <laughs> uh, if you're the Gamecocks, if one of those is against the Tigers tomorrow in the opener. Beat LSU and you move into the winner's bracket and uh, get some afternoon baseball instead of this morning baseball. Although I had a lot of fun today waking up and baseball's on the tube and, you know, waking up and getting after it. But I, I know you guys have John Whittle on the beat on site. I know the game just ended. Have you talked to him at all? And has he given you any intel into who they may hand the baseball over to tomorrow to start the game? Not that now. I'll be honest. I did not. I've been out, kind of trying to work in the yard a little bit. So uh, I have not checked the site since the game ended. So I, I don't know if the, the information is up there. But I have not. Uh, I talked to Whittle briefly after the game, just talking about Will Tippett because uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, Whittle's been saying for a while, even when Tippett was hitting what one thirty, you know, the guy's not that bad of a batter. You know, and all of a sudden. 
he hits the home run against Auburn. We're all like, where'd that come from? You know, <laughs> and uh, he's had a couple of more home runs, a couple of more good hits. Uh, even when he was injured, you know, and playing with like one arm, he smacks a single in, in the left field with one arm. Uh, so just kind of talking about him, uh, but I have not gotten any word on that yet. Will, one thing I do know is probably, probably will not be Will Sanders. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're definitely saving him uh, for the NCAA tournament. But, uh, you know, who knows? Do you bring Eli Jones back on short rest? Because uh, if you bring it back and you start him and, and, you know, he can go four or five innings, you still can rest him up for a potential regional either, you know, seven, eight days later. Uh, I think that's an option. Do you go with somebody like a Sam Simpson? Do you go uh, Johnny Holstaff? Um, I don't really know the answer uh, right there, but there are some options, especially with game two. Now, I think, I think once we get to game three, game four, it's going to start getting interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that, uh, you know, tomorrow there are some options there. And, and getting Hicks, Chris, to go that long is huge. I mean, you know, I think they probably were expecting four or five innings. Uh, out of him but he goes longer than he has all year you know as a starter this year and I think he showed you know sort of when you when you look ahead what, what kind of potential he maybe has as a starting pitcher and stuff so um bit really big in any in any tournament the more innings you can eat in baseball I think the better uh and so certainly today was a big start as far as setting your pitching uh for the rest of this thing uh, no matter how long it is JC, we were talking about this earlier, and I know you know there's unfortunately nothing we can do about it. But man, tomorrow sure would be a uh, a great day to have a guy like Eli Jerzen back available. But <laughs> unfortunately, mm. that is that is not a reality. And by the way, just to give you some names, when you talk about well, who are the candidates? I mean, I think of guys that uh, maybe haven't gotten a start this year, but you got guys like Wesley Sweat, Austin Williamson, Brett Thomas, Nick Proctor. Could Chris Veach start? Connor McCreary, Sam Simpson, Jackson Phipps. I mean. You never know, but I mean, we know, JC, you and I know, uh, you know, that you need unlikely heroes like that to step up. I mean, Zach Zadalis, you need unlikely heroes. And I was just looking at Eli Jones last Friday, so just a couple of days ago. He only went four innings, but he threw 84 pitches. So I would be pretty darn surprised. Maybe Thursday he goes, but I'd be pretty darn surprised if you uh, if you saw him start that game Tomorrow, I mean, I look at a guy like a Nick Proctor. He's pitched really, really well of late. Um, maybe they give him a shot. Like I said, go Johnny Holstaff, like you mentioned. I- I'll say this, though, on that note. I feel like, JC, this is the matchup that it almost felt like destiny. We were meant to get this one after earlier in the season. These two teams face off, and the Gamecocks just pound LSU in game one. They come back, and, you know, Carolina, you know, should have won the series in game two. But, of course, you know, you like you mentioned, Kate Austin been up and down this year. That was the game that hit the grand slam. They win that game late in game three. We don't get it because of the silly SEC rule that you have three days to play three games. Now we're getting that game. Carolina, LSU, how excited are you to watch these two teams face off? But it's going to be different, obviously, because we're not getting Paul Skeens, Will Sanders. We're not getting that matchup. It's going to be really interesting to see who both sides go with in the bump. But – I got to think, man, this is a this is a really fun matchup. It feels like this one's got a little bit of extra juice to it, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, it was 1-1. That was a huge series back then. Uh, LSU was ranked number one in the country. The Gamecocks really got to skeins and really outplayed LSU for, you know, the first 16 innings of that series pretty big. I mean, it was it was 7-3. to three. That's the only game South Carolina's bullpen has really blown this year with the lead. Hmm. Uh, I think there's something like 29-1 and one when leading after – 
six innings, something like that. I think that's the stat they've been saying on TV that Whittle said. Um, and so it was shocking. It was kind of shy. I remember sitting here, Chris, and I was uh, kind of out on the porch, had a speaker up, listening to it, and watching it on my, my iPad uh, in my backyard retreat. Nice weather, right? Uh, just thinking, hey, I told my fiance, hey, they're rolling. They're going to win this series. And then all of a sudden, it went from seven to three to eight, seven, and done quickly. <laughs> And uh, and that's LSU, man. They they got a lot of great players, and that, that they could turn on you against them. But uh, then the fact they didn't get in that third game, it sort of left a little bad taste in your mouth because because Carolina was hot at the time, and uh, you know if you look at the resume, you win this one tomorrow, you, you kind of de facto win the series. Hmm. Uh, you yeah. go to two and one against those guys this year. Uh, and that counts. That matters. That'll matter with the resume with the NCAA tournament. It'll get you if you win. It'll get you to forty, which I think is kind of a a magic number around here. Um, Mark Kingston's never won forty games uh, in his career as a coach. So uh, you know you win that one. Uh, I think uh, I think you're looking pretty good no matter what happens for the rest of the tournament. And I mean, who knows what'll happen? The, the SEC tournament's a weird, weird deal. <laughs> I've seen teams go through and, and win it and then struggle uh, in the regionals. But, you know, the one year Carolina did win the SEC tournament was 04. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're sitting there down to their last strike and Steven Tollison hit a home run and uh, the Gamecocks beat Ole Miss in the first round. They went on to win the whole thing, um, beat Vanderbilt in the championship game, took the trophy home, and then ended up in the college uh, in the College World Series. I think that was uh, the third straight – trip for a Tanner team hmm. uh, during the Sarge Fry field era. Uh, and I think the game was finished like third in the country that year. Fullerton State won it and Texas, I think, was second. And then the Gamecocks uh, got bounced by Fullerton. But, uh, you know, that, that was a really good baseball team that year in 04, the last time they did win it. And, you know, Tennessee won it last year. Uh, people can argue maybe they ran out of gas when they finally hmm. played Notre Dame in the Supers. But, but who knows? You know, once you uh, – once you, if you get past tomorrow, uh, once you get to going, uh, maybe win a couple of more, and who knows, you may end up playing this thing all the way through. And the more you can win, uh, you know, the more I think uh, you're a safer seed uh, on that next in that next eight um, when the tournament committee uh, announces uh, everything coming here on. Uh, Gosh, I guess it is Sunday when they announced the host. Then Monday they announced the pairing. So uh, should be uh, should be interesting right now. Uh, I think if you win tomorrow, in a lot of ways, I don't want to say you're playing with house money because you just never mm. know. But uh, it kind of depends on everybody else too. But uh, I think you feel awfully good if you could steal one tomorrow mm. uh, from LSU. That that resume all of a sudden. I mean, man, eighteen conference wins. Okay. I mean that that's uh, that's sort of a that's sort of a big one as far as all mm-hmm. that goes tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you think about this tournament, JC, and of course this one today was the must win because it was literally single elimination, win or go home. You know, I, I think looking ahead, you know, I think tomorrow is the big one where if you can win that one, and like you mentioned, you you kind of feel like, I mean, you're so ahead of it, right, because you're in the winner's bracket, it's double elimination. And then I think beginning on Thursday, you know, I think moving up the rotation two days, like going Eli Jones tomorrow uh, Jack Mahoney on third. Like, I think that's overly aggressive, but if you can just bump them up one day, 
And I think you mentioned this. It's you can you can almost spin it as, hey, well, now they get extra rest for the regionals also. Like you're gonna be in a really, really good position. So if you can steal that one tomorrow and winning on Wednesday is a really, really big deal because you're able then, I think, to get back into your weekend rotation, uh, mm-hmm. at least, you know, some sort of normalcy. And you feel really good at that point once you get to uh, to that level. Uh, J- uh, JC, I want to move off of baseball into football because I've been getting a lot of comments. Hey, did you hear what JC said about the running back, JC? So people have been hitting me up saying that I think on yesterday's show, you said that the carry-on joiner is making the move full-time from – receiver to he is going to be a full-time primarily running back is is this breaking news is this something are people just saying something in the comments that didn't happen I I guess I'll just I'll let you take the floor in regards to the status of the carry-on joiner and his role in the team this year yeah I I I think the confusion comes because because Beamer made the comment that oh he's still going to play some some wildcat quarterback and receiver and that's true Mm -hmm. uh but no he's he's been working with um the running backs all spring has been in that room. Um, I think he's probably, uh, if you ask me to say who the starting running back will be right now, it, it's, it's probably to carry on Joiner. Yeah. Don't count him out. That's all I got to say about that guy, because every time somebody does, he ends up uh, proving them wrong. I mean, you know, how many times have we heard Joiner's going to transfer Joiner? Oh my God. Joiner starting the bowl game at quarterback. Oh, they're doomed or, Oh man, Holinsky's hurt at halftime in, in Athens and in, in 2019. And Oh, oh, that's only the biggest win of the Will Muschamp era. Joiner very conservatively playing quarterback in the second half, but Hey, he didn't throw a pick. He completed a pass for a big uh, first down right out of there for another. That was the type of game. The game guys needed that clock to run. Uh, Cause they, you know, didn't have a lot of firepower with Holinsky that there. The game plan's kind of in the tank at that point. You're not going to line up and run it all over Georgia's defense. And, you know, South Carolina's defense kept getting turnovers, um, gave up 500-plus yards that day. But uh, you just it was just kind of like a run clock run thing. And if you have a quarterback that makes mistakes and is not sound and that kind of, you know, craps the bed or whatever out there, uh, you're going to eventually do something dumb and lose. But they didn't do it that day. So that's – you know, two of the bigger wins the last few years to carry on had a part in, you know, if you notice against Tennessee and Clemson uh, and Notre Dame down the stretch, he became more and more a part uh, of the game plan with his package. I, I thought in the spring game, there's some things I think he needs to clean up as far as being a pure running back. A lot of times, you know, quarterbacks like to bump it to the outside because it's kind of, you're kind of naturally going that way. Uh trying to get to the edge. We remember Connor Shaw. He dropped back. Oh, nobody's open. Boom, let's hit the edge and get the first down. Running back, sometimes it's best to, to not bounce it to the perimeter, to go back back up inside. DeCarrie did that a couple of times. Then a couple of times you, you kind of like to have seen him not try to get out, bounce it out. Because uh, I, I think he's he's a guy that if, it, his, if, if his vision's working – he can kind of weave his way in and find the holes. Holes are going to have to be there, obviously. But just like I said today, and I don't care if Herschel Walker's in the backfield, this line has to block. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, you, you, very few could just make their own yardage um, these days in college football. But, you know, so, yeah, and I, is it the most ideal situation in the world? No, probably what you'd like is for – you know, Mario Anderson uh, to be ready to go start, and then you can still use the carry-on in all those different ways and, and not, you know, get him carries in, in a variety of manners and use Juju kind of like how you use him. 
Um, or ideally you got somebody from the portal that can come in and kind of be the, the quote unquote workhorse and you used to carry on like that. But yeah, Hey, to carry on Joyner is going to be the starting running back this year at Carolina. I wouldn't count him out. I mean, just because, you know, everybody's counting him out now for five or six years and he, he tends to overperform, uh, and surprise everybody. I think that's, you know, and, and he sticks with it, you know, he, he stuck with it this whole time. I, I think part, that's part of the reason why. You know, I'm not, I, I'm personally just not, I'm not counting him out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the best situation ever on paper, but I'm saying uh, the season's not doomed right now because uh, he could be this very well be probably this is the favorite to be the starting running back right now. And JC on that note, you know, Shane Beamer concluding his welcome home tour last night in Florence, South Carolina, and uh, he had this quote, quote, I'm not as worried about the running back position as maybe the outside narrative is. How are we going to field a team because we don't have a fifth scholarship running back? We'll be fine. Do I wish we had more? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not like we're sitting there and it's Armageddon in our building because we didn't get a transfer running back. We'll be fine. Do you share the same confidence in the running back room as Shane Beamer has? I mean, obviously on these welcome home tours, he's going to show you want to see supreme confidence from your leader, but – do you think that means, I mean, is Carolina done when it comes to getting a, a transfer back or, or looking in the portal? Or, you know, do you think they just feel confident moving forward with the guys they have? I mean, your thoughts on that comment from, from Beaver? Oh, I don't, I don't think you're ever done looking in the portal. I think <laughs> I think uh, whether or not you find something in there that, that piques your fancy, uh, you know, is a different story. But, I, you know, as far as the guys in the portal now, yeah, because people – why don't they take this guy? Why don't they take that guy? Because they just don't think any of them are worth a scholarship, right. uh, especially compared to the guys they have now um, already on, on the roster. Um, I, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is South Carolina on paper is going to be able to really probably throw the ball as well as any team the Gamecocks have had in a while. As if you're talking about weapons uh, at receiver, weapons at tight end, uh, a quarterback, you know, the perimeter, uh, you know, when Dowell Loggins was hired, I, you know, I had some questions, obviously, but the more I hear about it, uh, the more I'm extremely encouraged. Uh, I think whenever you heard things behind the scene on Satterfield, uh, you know, you'd hear some encouraging things and then you hear some things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> and uh, I haven't heard anything that makes me go, hmm, it all makes a lot of sense. I think Dowell Loggins is going to be a big surprise for a lot of people this year. Uh, just in terms of his offense and how it looks and how it's executed most importantly and how comfortable the kids are with running it, you know, that type of thing, not a lot of confusion, things like that. Uh, and so, you know, look, you can always throw the ball to set up the run. You can always have somebody that steps up out of nowhere and you go, wow, where'd that guy come from? Um, I, you know, I remember LSU uh, heading into the 20. 19 season, you, you, you know, Clyde, uh, Hilaire Edwards, Edwards, Hilaire. You ever heard of him before that year? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was used to LSU having these and he was big. Now he's not people were like, well, he's just like Juju McDowell. Now he had about 40 pounds on Juju, same height, but, uh, there there's ways you can do it in college football. If you have a really good passing game, um, you know, to, to kind of manufacture a run game, especially in the age of the RPO and, 
you know, with the talent the Gamecocks will have uh, at receiver because, you know, people are like, well, if you don't have, you know, so, so what, what, so let me hypothetically assess this. So you don't have a stud at running back, but you have three or four capable guys, right? So it comes down to play calling. I mean, so if they load the box because you have a stud running back, well, that just means your passing game is going to have opportunities. So if you don't have a stud running back, we're just going to sit back and, and play, you know, zone or whatever. Yeah, that means you're going to have a favorable run box. And as long as you block, you're going to get yardage. Now, now where the talent level comes in at running back, Chris, is this. Is, you know, if, if let's say they're not as good talent-wise as some other. I mean, doesn't mean they can't be effective. Doesn't mean they can't average four or five yards a game. Here's where that matters. So you got a hole, okay. You got a stud back there. He's probably gone, you know, or, or 50, 60 yards later, you're like, God, I can't, I can't stop that guy. Or he's breaking tackles and, and all that going down the field. Um, you know, if not, it's not that far. He <laughs> didn't get that far. But he still gets far enough, especially when you've got explosiveness uh, on the perimeter and a tight end and a really good quarterback. So, you know, it's called keeping defenses honest. And, and there's going to be some, you know, Dalla Loggins is going to have to scheme up some things you know, to get some run runs going. And, you know, unfortunately they're, they're, you know, if they can't block, it doesn't matter who's playing back there, like I said, but you know, you're, you're probably not going to have, you know, what's, what's a 20 yard run is going to be a 20 yard run. It won't be a 60 yard run because, you know, the guy breaks free and is uh, off to the races. Uh, and, and look, maybe, uh, Maybe Dontavious Braswell has the speed to get off the races. Maybe we find out that Dakarian Joyner can do it. Um, you know, Juju McDowell, certainly if he's in the open field, he's very hard to catch uh, unless he's wide open on that um, on that fourth and one pass at Clemson. I still think he got in on that play. But, uh, you know, so, so that, that's kind of the differentiation when, you, when you're talking about a high-end talent at running back versus serviceable talent at running back. Uh, you just you can't get in a situation like you did the second half against Notre Dame, where you just can't run the ball and you become very very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Then that's what makes you easy to stop. I mean, it, it, as long as you're kind of mixing it up and scratching it out, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. JC, you mentioned the blocking, so I'll ask you this: as of right now, what would you say is the greater concern for you going into the season, offensive line or the running back position? Offensive line by a mile, and I'll tell you why. That that spot as a whole, <laughs> injuries have kind of reared their ugly head again, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's weird to talk about because you know I, I think a lot of times nowadays because of the internet and because of the great job we all do with content and keeping people up to date twenty four hours, you're inundated with it, so you're always kind of living in the moment. Uh, with recruiting on through the team and current person. Well, South Carolina's recruiting at like a top 10 level on the offensive line right now. Uh, you look at the class they signed for the 2023 class, best in school history on paper, and the 2024 is going to be even better. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the game sign offensive line classes like that back-to-back. Well, here's the problem. <laughs> it, it, offensive line takes two or three years. So it, it's you're almost like, buying a reservation for 2026 to be good on the offensive line when you recruit like that in 2023. Um, so it's not at the front of our mind. Everybody's like, oh, okay, you got some guys back, and then you got all this talent coming in. You'll be fine. Well, it's, it's, that, that's a, just a tough position to depend on freshmen. Very few. There are very few Travell Whartons out there 
Uh, even out of the junior college ranks, very few Dennis Daly's who can step in and start right away. Uh, very few guys like, frankly, Dylan Wanham when he was start started came in started as a true freshman. Nobody nobody bothered. Just left him alone until he got injured and stuff. So that's hard. It's hard to do. So if you're counting on freshmen, you're you're kind of in a pickle. Well, you know the Gamecocks had I, I thought a nice situation to tackle because. They brought in Sidney Fugars. Sidney's a three-year guy, you know, so he's got two more years after this one. Wasn't really a ready-made starter out of the portal that you go get, uh, but could. Um, I thought that was a nice, you know, kind of insurance policy there. You had Case and Henry coming back. You got Jalen Nichols coming back. Ja'Kai Moore can always slide out in a pinch. Well, then all of a sudden Jalen Nichols gets hurt. Uh, Fugar's probably not quite ready to go start. Henry's had knee issues uh, this offseason. He's kind of a question mark. Uh, and, and so what do you do? You kind of you, you kind of got Marquis Anderson thrown out there. I, I expect Chris Him to remain at left tackle this season. Long term, is he probably a guard? Yeah. Um, Trevon Ball will probably have to step in and play a little on the interior. So maybe a guy like Rashawn Lee could slide out in a pinch. Uh, remember Vershawn, his very first game as a true freshman, played right tackle against Tennessee in 2020. Um, so that position, you know, they have a lot of snaps coming back, a lot of experienced guys. Tyshawn Wanamaker's leaned up. Has he leaned up too much? That's the question. I think it's a legit question right now. Uh, you know, so at, at tackle specifically, you sort of worry. And, and, and I think the good news is you have a lot of guys that play a lot of ball, and there are a lot of really – really good kids up there that work hard, that love playing here, that love football, uh, so, that are close. So I think they'll be fine, but they all need to play the best they've played, have their best seasons uh, of their careers and avoid injury, uh, or that could disrupt the whole thing because, the, you know, the defensive lines you face week in and week out, I mean, they're sick. You know, they're really good. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, which is a game I think – most of us think at home SEC opener at home. The, game, uh, the, the Pirates not standing over there anymore. They're kind of in a transition. The Gamecocks, it's a game they should be favored in. Well, they're going to bring a just a filthy defensive line in here. Yeah. So if you if you're not able to block, uh, and, and people get on the offensive line way too much, you know, a lot of it's a function of opponent. But if you're not at least able to be serviceable, you know, keep Spencer upright, open some holes. You know, play your assignments. Don't play confused like happened a whole lot last year. Uh, then it's going to be long no matter who run it. Who who is back there at running back? So that's uh, the offensive line to me. Uh, the further we've gotten toward, you know, the summer program, preseason practice, stuff like that, Chris, the more that that position in particular has been at the top of my worry list, uh, concern list. Um, and I'm sure that I'll do like I did last year when I wake up two weeks before the season, you know, worried about the special teams for like 24 hours, which, uh, is beginning to be a fruitless, uh, <laughs> pointless exercise. But, uh, right now offensive lines at the forefront of my mind, I think getting the kid from Charlotte's big, I think getting the kid from Mercer in there, uh, probably could add that. Those are two walk-ons preferred walk-ons for through the portal. They got that they can add away to this summer and kind of develop, a, especially a kid from Charlotte. He's a, Solid offensive tackle, big athletic type. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's definitely, for me, uh, concern number one And when we talk about the 2023 season on either side of the ball. JC, last thing before I get you out of here. We all know how the recruiting calendar works, right? January, February, March, April, May, 
Beamer. That's typically how the calendar goes. They typically tear up the month of June. Uh, I know over this past weekend, Elijah Griffin, the number one prospect for 2025, that cycle he was on campus. And, you know, obviously things will start to heat up again. What are the next big dominoes that you would expect to fall? Is there anybody in particular, anything you're keeping a really, really close eye on recruiting? And I forget the kid's name right now, but I think you would put a crystal ball in on somebody. I forget who it was. Either way, though, when it comes to the recruiting side of things, I feel like we haven't talked about that lately. Uh, what's the latest for South Carolina there? You know, I, I a couple of guys coming in for that June 2nd date, and which is a – it's quickly filling up, Chris. It was a, it was looked like a light weekend, but but you got a lot of guys coming in. This, you know, Parker Livingstone's a big receiver from Lovejoy, Texas, that has good relationship with Dante Reno and Justin Step. You know, will he stay in state? Will he come to South Carolina? And you know, he's a guy they really like. I'm not going to put him on commit watch, but I, I do think he's a guy that, uh, you know, you could surprisingly see in the class. You know, Danas White from Concord High School. I mean, sorry, from Robinson High School in Concord, North Carolina, 6'3 and a half, 310. He's scheduled to visit this weekend. Almost quietly has been uh, considered a Gamecock lean. You know, I don't know if that's changed or not now that Travian Robertson is the D-line coach rather than Jimmy Lindsay. But you look out for him. You know, kind of the shoot-your-shot guys. Big-time athlete, Jalua Solomon from Schley County. He's slaying it, right, from Schley County, uh, is coming in. Uh, Braylon Russell, four-star, big four-star running back from Arkansas is coming in. Kai Sanders, safety from New Jersey. You know, those are all guys that, you know, I guess anybody that's filling on a mock class may have one or two of these guys in it, but they're not guys that you expect, oh, they can get six of, of eight or whatever. So pretty solid weekend to sort of shoot your shot. Now I'll tell you the one guy to look out for it. He's listed as an edge in our database. Carolina likes him as a linebacker. He's from Powell, Tennessee, which is near Knoxville. Some reason he doesn't like the balls. Doesn't want to stay close uh, up there, but he's got a lot of big offers. Uh, Steven Solis, uh, I think it's our souls. It's S O L E S. I think it's Solis from Powell, Tennessee, six, one and a half, two thirteen. Uh, he's kind of a, an assassin on film, you know, very physical player, uh, from up there in Rocky Top, uh, I think the Gamecocks are looking really good for him. So if there's someone on commit watch, you know, that's that's one guy to sort of uh, keep an eye on. And then, of course, the big weekend, man, is that June 23rd. You got, you got Dylan Stewart, uh, the five-star guy from D.C. Can South Carolina land another five-star player, full another five-star surprise from our nation's capital. That's, that's important. You know, uh, I mentioned Travian Robertson. One of the big early targets for him is going to be uh, big Don Bosco D tackle Jordan Thomas, uh, six, five, two ninety six Gamecocks have uh, uh, some ties. There's grandparents live uh, over in uh, the lower Richland community. Uh, he's got a lot of ties to South Carolina. So if you're going to get a big old uh, four-star New Jersey D tackle that Michigan and everybody else wants, you know, uh, those family ties will, will make a difference. Uh, Jonathan Paler, who has been a lean to the Gamecocks, Daniel Hill, who's been a lean to the Gamecocks. He, they're coming in that weekend. Um, plus just about all the commits I mentioned, Dante Reno, Calvin Hunter, Wendell Gregory, Cam Pringle. Uh, I think you could expect to see Josiah Thompson possibly in that weekend as well. So, so that 23rd, that weekend of June 23rd, if you love the Gamecocks uh, football program and follow their recruiting closely, that's one to really 
really stay glued to the internet that weekend because that's uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff popping uh, with regards to that. You know, these days a lot of kids don't necessarily commit on their visit; they wait till a couple of days afterwards. But uh, I, I think by the time that month is out, we will see. You know, I'll, I'll, I hate to put a, a solid number on it, Chris, but. Uh, let's just say a number of welcome home tweets from, from Shane Beamer. That's just, uh, that's just how it goes around here. And uh, then you take that class and, you know, as it is move on into the season and they kind of trickle in the rest of the way. And all of a sudden uh, in December, there you go, you have your class, but this is trending towards another really special uh, group of high school players that Beamer and his staff uh, are recruiting. And, um, you know, I, I think everybody should be perfectly thrilled with how it's gone to date. Uh, and then I think they'll be very happy, you know, after the month of, uh, of after the month of June, when the Gamecocks are probably sitting on a handful of more blue chip guys. Things you love to hear, JC. I lied. One last thing: our, our guy Brandon comments uh, a question for for you. Do you think South Carolina ends up offering downs from Riverside? And I follow that up with this: How often do you get questions from people about, hey? My high school has this guy. Are they going to offer him? Like, because I, I feel like everybody wants Carolina or whatever school it is to offer the dude at their high school, and it doesn't necessarily work that way. But Downs from Riverside does that name ring a bell? And and yeah. I think Carolina would offer Marcus Downs. I you know, uh, the, he's a guy that they want in camp. Um, he's got he's got some pretty solid out of state. I mean, really good out of state offers. Georgia. Uh, and some other teams, um, you know, Lindsay kind of wanted to wait on camp and, uh, and see, uh, I don't know what Travian Robertson's opinion, uh, is on that, but I think the staff collectively has decided like, bring him to camp. Let's work him out. Let's just make sure. Hmm. And, uh, that happens a lot with in-state guys. I mean, you know- it's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. They, they either are guys like this with, with, with out-of-state offers, and look, a lot of the out-of-state offers are not what you not committable. I mean, you know, they sure, yeah, he's got offers from these schools, but uh, here, get on the phone, call up Kirby, see if he takes the call. If Kirby takes the call, you know it's legit. If you get Kirby's voicemail, or if it's his secretary that picks up because it's not really his number, then uh, you know it's not. But uh, and I don't, I don't know. Now, Georgia may t- may I have not talked to anyone uh, at Georgia about him specifically. Um. But you got to be careful in state. You don't want to offer a guy and then, you know, not be happy with him or have to pull the offer or something. And, you know, you want to be able to be, take a commitment from him when you do offer. Uh, and so that's the situation there. So, you know, I probably – something tells me with Downs that the, the hype is real. 
Uh, I like him, uh, it, it, you know, probably just in my dumb brain, but I love, I'll, I, I'd sign 15 defensive linemen if you if you ask me to, uh, every year at all, you know, mostly from the Carolinas, but, uh, I, I think they should offer him, but, uh, you know, they'd have to get out and see him, you know, cause you, he's listed what six, three, two sixty five. Well, Chris, what, what if he gets there? Uh, and he's, you know, he's six, one and a half or two fifty one or something, or what if he gets there? And yeah, he's that tall and big, but he doesn't move around like he does on. I mean, yeah, there's all these things you got to kind of check off to be sure. Um, so to answer your question, I think they will, uh, but it's probably going to come down to the workout and all that good stuff. JC Sherbert inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur. JC, will you guys return tomorrow for your show? Or is that TBD? I think it kind of depends on uh, Phil's little one and if if uh, she's better or not. Because you know Phil's wife's a t- and, and Phil handles all the technical end of it, right? So, right. so Jamie and I would probably have – Jamie would have to get trained up real quick to do it because I, I would have <laughs> no idea. Uh, but um, since it's during the game anyway, it's like, well, most people are going to be watching the game. We, we debated on bagging it today mm-hmm. to begin with just because people – why do they care what we have to say, you know, <laughs> about it? I mean, there's you, you, you got Derek and Tommy you can listen to. You can listen to SEC Network guys. You can – uh, if you're if you're like some people, you could just put on classical music and, and sip a, a glass of wine while you're while you're listening to that game because it's so nerve wracking sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, why would they care what we have to say? But uh, I, I think we'll be back, kind of the same plan. Uh, but it kind of depends on the health of Phil's little one, and, and if he's she's not a hundred percent, you know, then uh, it'll it'll probably be no show again. But hopefully, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We'll stay tuned to social media to find out. And again, JC, of Inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur. Always a pleasure, my friend. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Take care, my guy. All right. Thanks, Chris. Be good, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.